Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. Today, we're going to check back in on the progress of policy reform at Michigan Medicine. You may recall that in early March, just before COVID-19 hit, we hosted a discussion introducing policy staff. Today, we'll learn even more about the reform process and why it's so important at Michigan Medicine. But first, be sure you go back to check out all previous episodes of The Wrap, including the original one on policy staff. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. And ever since the pandemic hit, episodes have been uploaded to YouTube as well. Shows they view each week can always be found as part of the headlines Week in Review. With that out of the way, let's bring back a veteran of the rap, Peg Hill Callahan, the clinical policy manager for Michigan Medicine. Peg, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. The organization has been reforming how it governs, collects, and manages its policies. Peg, can you quickly recap why the organization is undergoing this reform and how it's doing so? Sure. That effort began several years ago in response to our employees' frustrations regarding access to our policies, procedures, and guidelines, which is a mouthful. So I'm just going to call those PP&Gs to the rest of this. In addition to that, there was also confusion uh, regarding what we had um, overly complex approval pathways, which delayed implementation of our PPNGs. Some policies that seemed really simple on the service and actually were took years to approve. So two mm-hmm. work groups did a really deep dive into Michigan Medicine's policy governance landscape. And they discovered that problems exist in basically kind of two buckets, the governance framework, and access to policies. And out of their work came two major recommendations that really targeted those two issues. The first one, the first recommendation was formation of the Interprofessional Policy Committee or IPPC. And their job is to oversee the formation of that new policy governance framework. And that's gonna be used for development, approval and review of all of our clinical PPNGs. The second recommendation, which you're more familiar with, I think, was the adoption of policy stat as the health system's repository for all our PPNGs. Policy stat is a web-based policy management application and is designed really as a one-stop shop to provide the workforce with the information that they need when they need it. We're currently in the process of moving all departmental PPNGs into policy stat and then the IPPC can work on sorting through them and making sure they're consistent and easy to understand and make sense. And I'm glad you mentioned that committee. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But real quick, one thing that I find really interesting is that policy reform actually plays a major role in the organization's move toward high reliability. And I know a lot of people have heard a lot about HRO and the journey to high reliability. Can you explain that connection and how it pertains to both employee and patient safety? Absolutely there's a very real connection between policy governance and safety. An analysis of the root causes of our patient safety events showed that more than 40% of these events had their roots and issues related to PPNGs. For example, either someone didn't know a policy existed or knew it existed but didn't know where to find it. By the way, prior to policy stat, there were more than 60 different websites hosting policies and they didn't interconnect at all. Um, somebody might have found too many policies, or what they did find was confusing or unclear. So 
Know why and comply is one of the core principles of our journey to high reliability. And the policy governance overhaul, including the adoption of policy stat, really lays that foundation and groundwork. In our current state, particularly post-COVID-19, if we're really post-COVID, we're facing a lot of challenges in our workforce and in our institution, requiring us to do, all of us really, to do more with less, but we have to do it just as reliably. And medicine is so complex and practices change so quickly. So using PPNGs to guide our care for patients and their families helps us provide what we wanna provide, exemplary first-rate consistent care. So by having robust, transparent, and efficient development and approval pathways, as well as that one centralized location for all the policies, it gives us the opportunity to enhance and strengthen our safety culture, remembering that our employees, all of us, are the first line of defense against mishaps, mistakes, um, and errors that can harm patients. Yeah. Now, as part of the reform, I know you already mentioned the IPPC, which is the Interprofessional Policy Committee. Who sits on that committee and what is it tasked to do? The, the IPPC is composed of a multidisciplinary group of leaders who are experts in clinical care, clinical operations, legal, regulatory, patient experience, safety, medical informatics. So it's a very multidisciplinary group of voices from across our health system. Um, the group meet, began meeting in July. We had our first meeting and meets twice a month. And our first meeting was delayed a bit <laughs> because of who sits on it and the fact that their leader are clinical leaders. So it was delayed for a few months due to the pandemic. But I'm so impressed with this group. They're so committed and engaged and they're making real progress even in this short period of time toward our goals. The committee was charged by executive leadership to develop a new policy governance framework to guide the development, approval, and ongoing management of our clinical PP&Gs. But building this framework is a really kind of big task, and it's their first task. And it has like a bunch of subtasks, as you can imagine. For example, agreeing on nomenclature, because we have to really be speaking the same language in order to do the work. So we can't just call everything a policy because everything isn't a policy. So we're working on nomenclature, uh, revamping our approval pathways so we have an approval roadmap that's robust, efficient, and transparent. So we don't get caught in those tailspins of approval that take years to get something from concept to bedside. Um, they need to adjudicate the universe of our PPNGs once they all get into policy stat. When we're done moving everything in, then I like to um, compare it to a tangled ball of yarn. Everything from those 60 websites is pouring in. So we're going to have duplicates. We're going to have conflicting. We're going to have confusing. So the IPPC's job is going to be to untangle that massive tangle of yarn and smooth it out so we have something that's accessible, understandable, and easy to use and consistent. Once the IPPC has completed the framework, and that's a, a pretty big job as I've just described, then they'll move into their steady role, which is uh, reviewing and approving all PPNGs that are multidisciplinary and have an impact across the health system. And also in a really important uh, role that they'll fill is a consultative partner 
for their colleagues across the health system who are struggling with issues about policy development or management. So they've got their work cut out for them. Um, And I'm just so impressed at how engaged and willing they are to put that effort in. Yeah, and it just sounds like such an enormous task because you mentioned sort of the 60 different websites, but obviously multiple policies on each of those websites to bring them all together. It just seems like it could be overwhelming, right? And and you sort of have to break it down task by task. That's exactly what we're doing. Um, I, I have a whole work plan for how we're going to prioritize, we're going to group policies together, uh, probably by clinical areas, and then decide which are the riskiest groups for safety um, or regulatory, and then take those, get some subject matter experts together to make recommendations to the, uh, to the IPPC, because it's a terrible use of their time to just throw you know, 6,000 policies that are unclassified at them and go, have at it, mm-hmm. untangle this. So we really need a, a plan where their expertise is used appropriately and we give them the information they need to adjudicate it in an efficient way that uses their time and in, a, in an efficient way, but still gets the job done. Yeah. So I was going to ask, and maybe this can help make the job easier, but how can employees who don't sit on the committee help move this reform process forward? Oh, there's so much people can do. Um, IPBC members are going to depend on regular and ad hoc communication with their constituencies. So please be responsive to their requests for information. Um, And don't hesitate to seek them out with your ideas and concerns, because it is bi-directional. They want to speak to you and hear from you. Um, If you're in a leadership role, please get your PP&Gs into policy stat. We did a campaign, give us your policies stat. (laughs) Um, And the IPPC can't begin their work on adjudicating all of those policies until what should be in there is all in there. For example, I don't want them to adjudicate, say, 18 chest tube policies and do all that work and smooth it out and then six months later have four more trickle in that we didn't know about. That's just a waste of everybody's time. Um, Another thing people can do is use policy stat in your day-to-day work and caring for patients and families. And if you discover a problem with a PP&G in your work, please let us know. Um, The email to let us know is Michigan Medicine Policy Stat, all together, at med.umich.edu. And we really depend on you as sort of a crowdsourcing to help us find problems and fix them. So don't keep it a secret, share it. Because yeah. chances are, if you've noticed it, other people have noticed it too. Yeah, it's really up to everyone to, to make this work uh, move forward successfully. So what are some other things employees should be looking forward to in terms of policy reform in the months and even years ahead? So look for regular updates. Um, we have a, we'll have a website um, for the IPPC and we'll update that regularly so you'll know the work that's going on with them. Um, expect that our PP&Gs will be accessible, understandable, and consistent with robust, transparent, and um, efficient approval pathways. So that's our ultimate goal. Those two issues will get smoothed out eventually. Um, through our HRO training, expect that our workforce will indeed know why and comply and utilize PPNGs to inform their daily work and expect that policy stat will be your one-stop shop 
for accessing our PPNGs. And lastly, please be patient. Uh, it took us a long time to get where we are right now, and it's going to take us a while to get ourselves out of it. But the work of IPPC, you know, is moving along. Everyone's engaged and committed. Leadership is absolutely on board with this. And so we're making this happen, but the mess took a while to happen and the cleanup will take a while as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Peg, for sharing this information and for the incredibly important work you and your team is doing. If you want to learn more about policy reform at Michigan Medicine, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. While you're there, check out some of the featured stories from this week. For instance, on Monday, readers learned the value of diverse teams within the organization. It was a breakdown of Cancer Awareness Months that take place in September, and with the help of expert colleagues, the newsletter busted some of the biggest mask myths related to COVID-19. Find all that and more at mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. We asked listeners last week, the first free flu vaccination clinic for employees will be held on which date? The answer, September 3rd. Congratulations to Kara Gavin, who sent in the correct answer. Kara, a member of the Department of Communication, will be in touch shortly to help you claim your prize. Now for this week's question. What is the name of the Rogel Cancer Center program that involves non-clinical members of the healthcare team who specialize in guiding patients through a complex system? Once again, what is the name of the Rogel Cancer Center program that involves non-clinical members of the healthcare team who specialize in guiding patients through the complex system. You can find the answer in this week's Cancer Awareness Month story. And once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. That's all the time we have for this week. Before we go, I'd like to pass along a huge congratulations to our audio assistant, Hunter Mitchell, who is getting married this weekend. Congrats, Hunter and Peg. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week.